to the end zone. It's a touchdown. Tanner Manga finds Matt Bushman in stride. Yo on the arc shoots a three and scores it. Yoli Childs for three. Shot and goal by Lizzie Brady. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And now, here's Greg Rubel. Good evening once again, Cougar Nation, and from Studio 2 at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah. Welcome to another edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, our weekly hour of in-depth conversations with BYU sports personalities, past and present. I'm glad to have you listening with us on BYU Radio, coast-to-coast on satellite via Sirius XM 143. We are live along the Wasatch Front as well on 107.9 FM and 89.1 FM HD 2. We're streaming online at byuradio.org and on the BYU Radio app. On demand, you can hear every weekly show on our Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast. Another way to download the broadcast is at byuradio.org by going to the shows page and looking for Behind the Mic. Coming up tonight, we'll visit with one of the top leaders in the BYU Athletic Department, Senior Associate Athletic Director Liz Darger will be my first guest, and she'll be followed by the former BYU quarterback who to this day holds the Cougars' single-game record for passing yardage and is sixth on the BYU career passing yardage list. He is fifth in career touchdown passes and is in the career top ten for completions and pass efficiency as well. He is John Walsh. And he'll be joining me on the line from Southern California. As we begin tonight's show, just want to make a uh, uh, take a brief moment to once again publicly uh, note the passing of the great Paul James, your voice of the Cougars, for 35 years. I've had multiple opportunities over the last few days to express my appreciation for and admiration for PJ. And the outpouring of expressions from fans in Cougar Nation is testament to the lasting impact Paul had on BYU fans spanning generations. My first ever BYU broadcast assignment was as PJ's sideline reporter starting in 1992. And over the next number of years, I learned not only how to report from the field, but how to be a play-by-play broadcaster. I learned by watching and listening, and when unexpected health issues forced Paul to take a short break from the booth in 1996, his mentorship and tutelage prepared me to be his short-term fill-in. That assignment would precede later long-term appointments as Paul eventually stepped away from the BYU basketball and later the BYU football headsets. While I may now be doing his job, and one could never hope to truly replace him, for he was inimitable. He was and is cherished by all in Cougar Nation. And again, I say to PJ on behalf of BYU fans everywhere, thank you and we love you. And on that note, it is a pleasure to welcome into Studio 2 a friend and colleague and one of the rising stars in athletic administration here on the BYU campus, Senior Associate AD and Senior Woman Administrator Liz Darger. Within BYU, the WCC, and the NCAA, Liz has played key roles relative to oversight and social initiatives and is one of the BYU student-athletes' most ardent advocates. Her plate is full, as she has multiple administrative responsibilities for multiple sports, departments, and committees, and a new interesting church calling, all while furthering her education in pursuit of yet another academic degree. Liz's background is steeped in sports, having played high school basketball and volleyball and later served as a basketball coach at the high school and collegiate level. She also has multiple relatives who have competed at the NCAA level in addition. One of the truly bright lights of BYU Athletics, Liz Darger, joining me now behind the mic. Hello, Liz. Hi, Greg. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, first of all, uh, you may not have had uh, personal ties uh, to PJ, but certainly in the department, and you've been able to note recently uh, those in the department and cer- uh, certainly fans around the country are, uh, are are touched by Paul's passing. Absolutely. He's a he's a legend like so many other legends and uh, has left his mark on BYU Athletics, and we will miss him and grateful for all of his contributions over so many years to make Cougar Nation and, and BYU Athletics great. Thanks for that. Fair to say that you grew up in a sporting family? I did, very much so, yes. Although my parents didn't play sports, their siblings did, but uh, I really came to love sports because my older brother played them, and he taught me how to um, open a sports page and and find a box score and how to read that. And uh, my parents watched my youth sports growing up and and always cheered loudly, Um, but but really it was my older brother, Ford, that instilled in me a a love for athletics. What were your favorite uh, sports and or teams growing up? So because my uh, my brother loved the San Antonio Spurs, I did as well, and I still do, uh, although I am a jazz fan in addition. 
basketball was was really I would say my my first love. Uh, I also enjoyed playing softball. Volleyball picked up a little bit later in life. Loved that too. Uh, but but I played pretty much anything. Soccer. Uh, I, I I played some, but I found myself always caught in the middle of the field, running around and never touching the ball. And I didn't think that was very fun. I wasn't quite fast enough or skilled enough to, to find my feet to the ball. And so I, I gave that up pretty quickly. And it's been neat now to oversee women's soccer here and see what, what real soccer looks like and what real soccer players, how they play. And, and uh, so I, I love the game of soccer, but, but that wasn't one that I was very skilled at. You were growing up in Idaho, yes? Yes, Boise. Did, was it born and raised for you up there? Or? I was actually born in Cincinnati. My, um, my dad was on a, a summer internship from business school. He, he went to business school at Harvard. And so we were just in Cincinnati for the summer. So I have really no memory of it. And then, and then back to Boston and then moved to Boise when I was still just uh, very young. So Boise is the only place that I, that I know. So all of your childhood memories are related to Boise and Idaho? Yes, very proudly. Okay. Um, what about sports then and now? Uh, do you love the most? Oh, gosh. Uh, probably the biggest thing is is interacting with other people, being a part of a team, learning to compete together for a common goal, the relationships you build uh, as part of a team. I haven't experienced anything like that. I would say the closest thing I've experienced to that would be participating in high school choir, which I loved, where you are all have to play your part in order for the uh, for the whole to um, to do its thing. But 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 sports has brought incredible relationships into my life, and I love competing. I love to win. I don't like to lose. But but most of all, I, I love to work hard and compete with uh, with people around me. I've not really seen the fierce, intense side of Liz Darger before. Um, would you, uh, assessing yourself, say that there's a part of you that is that way, though? There absolutely is, and it's funny. Some people that I work with here have commented that they, they really first saw it here when I represented athletics at uh, the annual Advancement Summit, participating in the Jeopardy game. <laughs> And people saw a side of me that they hadn't seen before. Uh, as a as a player uh, and as a coach, I, I always tried to keep my 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 temper and emotions in check. And every now and again, they'd get the best of me. But but for the most part, I I, I keep them in check. I like to think of myself as a, a calming influence with with teams. Most often, as a coach, certainly that was my my goal to be a calming influence. But. Absolutely. Get me in the right situation and you'll see the fire come out. Okay. Uh, I mentioned in the intro that you have multiple relatives who've been associated in athletics one way or another at a, at a high level. Um, can you just run off a few of them and and, uh, and maybe what kind of influence they've had on you? Yes, absolutely. My uncle Lane Peterson played men's volleyball here when it was still a club sport. His twin, Rob, played volleyball at Stanford at the same time. Uh, my uh, sister played volleyball at Colorado State. That's Emily. In, in the late 90s. Emily, yeah. Emily Darger. Deans, who worked here in the athletic department yeah. for a long time. Her husband, Logan Deans, played running back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also I, I've had a, a aunt and an uncle that, that rode crew at Harvard um, and, and various other aunts and uncles and cousins that have participated in Division I athletics. So you mentioned Emily a moment ago, who played, of course, in Fort Collins and then came to BYU to work in the administration in athletic marketing, right? Yes. And then uh, younger brother, Yes, uh, Preston, yes, I can't did something similar. Preston. I did can't something forget similar. Preston. Yeah. He's, he's probably listening right now. <laughs> Yes. So Preston was a, a as a student here worked in the marketing department under David Almodova and had an incredible experience there. First as a volunteer and then as a as a, a student employee, and uh, did great things in the marketing department. And then earned his way into a full time job at, at Utah Valley University as their director of sports marketing. Did that for a few years before moving out east to get married. And he's now back here in his first year of the MBA program here at BYU. And the woman he married at the time was involved in sports herself, as I recall. Yes, Aubrey Potter Darger. She she worked for the NBA out in New York City, uh, working in player personnel, uh, doing a really fun job. We're training uh, basketball players how to be professionals and how to prepare for life after basketball. Really, really an interesting job that she was just was excellent at. Uh, they now have both moved here. They just had a baby uh, six months ago, uh, little baby Wells, my newest nephew who I adore. And so she's transitioning to uh, to that new role and, and doing it very, very gracefully. Your family would be professionally adrift without sports. They really would. I think it. I don't know that we'd have much to talk about. Uh, it, and especially with uh, my my brothers and my brothers in law, uh, it's, it's definitely the uh, the the probably the favorite topic. And it's been fun to see how we've all become Cougar fans because none of us, at least in my blood siblings, none of us grew up BYU fans at all. So it's been really neat to see how BYU sports has brought us all together now. To flash forward a little bit from what you just said, when Preston ended up at UVU. 
you were all you were at UVU at the time, weren't you? I was. I was an assistant basketball coach there. That was a fun overlap for for a bit to to see him there. He and I have always been close. We're ten years apart, but even growing up, uh, you know, me as a sixteen year old, him as a six year old, he just followed me around and hung out with me and my friends a lot. So we've always been close, and and that was really fun to work together professionally there. And it's really fun now to have him back on campus and to run into him every now and again. So being an Idahoan growing up, uh, what created the link between your family and BYU eventually? Yeah, so both my parents uh, had some time at University of Utah, and and so we didn't grow up hating BYU by any means, but we just we didn't talk about it much. It, it wasn't a school that we 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 knew much about, uh, and and when I was making my college choice, I had actually committed to Utah State to play volleyball, and was excited about that, and then just didn't feel great about it, and um, realized I hadn't prayed about it. And as I prayed about it, it was probably the first time I really prayed about a really important decision. Uh, felt like um, I should go to BYU, which was was uh, kind of a surprise. And my parents were supportive, although a little confused. Uh, I was a decent high school athlete, uh, but, but I knew going to BYU would mean that I would uh, likely not um, play, play sports there. And so it, it, uh, that was a hard decision. But I felt a lot of peace when I decided to go to BYU, knowing that I that I wouldn't be competing um, and that I have to find other ways to stay involved in, in sports. And so I came to BYU as the first one in my family. And then uh, wow. and then Emily came and worked here. And then my sister Martha came. She was on the um, folk dance team here. And then Preston came. And my older brother Ford went to University of Utah uh, in law school there as well. Still a big Ute fan, but a huge <laughs> supporter of me and, uh, and uh, a Cougar fan when they're not playing the U of U. I don't know Ford, uh, I don't think we've ever met, but I have met and know everyone else you just yes. mentioned, Emily and Martha and Preston. And so I'm a big fan of the Darger family and have gotten to all know all of you generally through my work here at BYU. So I kind of consider you all to be, you know, part of the BYU family. But it's interesting to see that you're really the first one. Yes. Yeah. I like to think I paved the way. You're the pioneer. Uh, so you came to BYU and uh, you majored, your first degree, I guess, would have been family sciences. Yes. Yes. What, what did that, so what was, you weren't connected to athletics inherently at that point? No, no, I wasn't. Uh, majored in family sciences, uh, and and really ended up falling into that because I had taken some classes and realized I don't know what I'm going to do with this major, but I love every single class I'm taking, so I'll figure it out. Uh, and and you know I played intramural sports, and that and that was really uh, about it. And then I any championships to uh, um, fall back yes, on? Yeah. Yep, I've got some t-shirts. Okay. They're they're now in a t-shirt quilt okay. that I proudly yes proudly still use. Uh, I I made a visit to Colorado State to visit my sister and watch some games, and she had a good friend there, uh, Reagan Scott, uh, uh, who. Uh, played basketball here at Mountain View High School, who was an assistant basketball coach at Colorado State, and and they knew each other there, and and so we were just hanging out on the weekend when I was there visiting, and I I, I said Reagan, your job looks so cool. How do you become a college basketball coach? And she said, you just get involved. You know, you just 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 start doing it. And I said, well, I didn't play college basketball. She goes, it doesn't matter. Her dad had just gotten the head coaching job at Timview High School, and she said, you should go coach with my dad. And again, I just said, I don't I don't know. I don't know enough to coach. And you're a college student at this time. I was a college yeah. student at this time. Um, and uh, later in the night, she handed me the phone and said, my dad wants to talk to you. And I didn't realize it, but she'd called her dad and said, hey, I think you should hire this girl. So handed me the phone and this Ray Scott, who was, you know, six, seven, really deep voice said, hey, I hear, I hear I'm supposed to hire you. <laughs> and I and I just said, you know, I said, oh, gosh, I would I would love the chance to, to, to talk to you. And so I went to an open gym at Timview. And that really uh, started my story. And, and Reagan Scott Peebly now, she, mm-hmm. she coached at Utah State for a long time yeah. and then at Fresno State. And she's now at TCU. And, and that little nudge, what took her five minutes, truly, truly changed the trajectory of my life. And I remember that often as I interact with our student athletes and students. What might take me five minutes literally can change someone's life. So while you may have had some interest in the back of your mind, you weren't banging down doors to get into this, and it kind of not that it fell into, but kind of fell into your lap. It, it really did. It, it, it fell into my lap, and I realized at that first open gym at Timview how much I loved working with young people, uh, how much I missed sports and being a part of it every day, and uh, and and so I, I feel really grateful, really grateful, and and in doing that, then I then I thought, okay, I know I want to do this, and so if I want to coach high school basketball and I probably need a job in the high school. And so I started to look around and I and I looked around at, you know, teachers, principals, school counselors, all the different jobs and and uh 
And the job of school counselor really stuck out to me. I loved that they advocated for students. I loved that they helped kids figure out what they wanted to do after high school. I loved that every day it was something different. Um, and I also loved that they didn't lesson plan and they didn't grade papers at night. And I knew if I wanted to be a good coach, I needed to have the time to do that. And if I wanted to be good at my primary job as a school counselor, you know, I, I needed to be able to have, have those jobs that could complement. And so uh, – uh, applied to the master's program here, school counseling psychology is a full-time program for three years, continued coaching while I did that. And that carried me into the next part of my career. Yeah. So you're, you're able to be a, a coach and administrator while you were furthering your education as a student and graduate student here at BYU. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you, you had some busy days. It's busy days. I'm used to having a lot on my plate and that's how I, that's how I like it. And, and then, uh, uh, the, the path from high school to college for you, how did it go? Yeah, so I was uh, was at Timpanogos High School as a school counselor there for four years, and uh, coached coached basketball. Was the athletic director, and uh, and loved every part of that job. Loved the school counseling, loved the coaching, loved the administrative side, and really thought I'd do it the rest of my life. I thought I'd be one of these people that stayed at one high school the whole time, and you know retired, and they throw a big party, the whole community would come. And then um, the opportunity came to coach full time at UVU, and honestly, at the time, I just thought. Oh, that's interesting. I should do that. I, I don't have a family yet, and I'll try that for a while, then go back to school counseling. And so I was very fortunate. Uh, coach Kathy Nixon at UVU took a, took a chance on me as a she's the head as coach. A, she's the head coach yep. as a you know as a as a current high school and club coach. I'd interacted with her through camps, and she'd recruited some of our players. Uh, you know, I coached Morgan Bailey at Tippinogos, uh and and also the club t- uh, the club team. Is that Thurl's uh, daughter? Uh, Thurl's niece. Thurl's niece. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Ray Stewart, I coached with Ray Stewart. Who's now on the staff at BYU. Who's now on the staff. Yeah. Uh, and Melinda Bendel, who's now on the staff. And and so, uh, yeah, so decided I'd, I'd try that for a while and end up being there six years and, and loved every minute of it. And then ultimately, what opened the door to you at BYU? So again, kind of a nudge. Um, Janie Penfield Rasmussen, my predecessor, she and I uh, were, were friends. We've known each other a long time. She played volleyball with Emily at Colorado State. That's how I met Janie. And when she knew she was going to step away to um, to, to have a family, she gave me a call. And, and I, I'm sure she called others as well, but just gave me a call and said, hey, I think you should look at this opportunity. And as I looked into it, it's really interesting. My parents had just left on a mission, uh, an employment mission in Dallas to help people find jobs. And um, the more I looked into the job, I thought, I think I could do this. And this looks really fun. It looks like it kind of plays to my strengths. And so I got a lot of help from my from my parents who were right in the thick of helping people with resumes and prepping for interviews and dossiers and things like that and uh, and went through a very rigorous interview process with a lot of folks on campus and, and other places and, and ultimately felt extremely fortunate that, that Tom decided to hire me. Just just feel so grateful for him really taking a chance on me uh, where I had very little administrative experience. I had some at the high school and, and had some great coaching experience, but but he really took a chance on me and, and I and I owe him so much for that. Really grateful for that. And you're now is it four years into your tenure yep, here now? Yep, in year yeah. four. All right. It is break time. When we come back, my conversation with BYU Senior Associate AD and Senior Woman Administrator Liz Darger continues. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Back with more with Liz right after this. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, former BYU quarterback John Walsh joining me, talking right now with Liz Darger, BYU Senior Associate AD and Senior Woman Administrator here in the BYU Athletic Department. In the intro to Liz a few moments ago, I mentioned a third degree uh, toward which she is working. Uh, she's had a bachelor's and a master's here at BYU. Now you're seeking a doctorate. Uh, to what end is this pursuit directed? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, President Hinckley always talked about get all the education you can, and I come from a family that values education. With that being said, when I finished my master's, I, I, just, I just said, I am done. I feel so great. Never have to go back to school again. And then just felt the tug last year, just feeling like, hey, here's an opportunity uh, to, to learn more and to put some theory behind what I do every day. And uh, and to and to better myself as an administrator, and so 
really, really grateful for the chance uh, to be a part of that program. Nine of us in our cohort and great professors, and I, I'm learning new things every day that help me in my in my job. And since you're used to a full plate, as we've talked about, this is in your wheelhouse. You're okay then, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. It's going to be a little bit of word association. A few seconds on each of the teams over which you have direct oversight right now, and you have a handful here at BYU. We'll start with women's soccer. Yeah. Oh, women's soccer. It's been such a fun year. You know, last year was was uh, was a tough year, and it's been fun to see us uh, back to what we what we expect. And uh, great wins, a great win over the weekend, and excited for Pepperdine. Uh, I've learned a lot from watching Coach Jen Rockwood. She's a she's a legend. She literally has built that program from the ground up and uh, to watch the way that that she has has built it as a whole program uh, that it doesn't just win but but um, helps to build female student athletes in the right way I, I've learned a ton from her okay uh, cross country and track teams so fun so fun I don't run unless there's a ball in front of me but I really admire those that run without a ball in front of them and and we've got hundreds of them uh, but but cross country obviously the men's team number two in the country women's team number nine right now it's a really fun year past couple years have been so exciting and uh, and 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 Ed and Diljeet are doing a fantastic job and the track and field uh, as well you know we've had uh, the most or near the most regional qualifiers the past few years and and I've gotten the opportunity to go to a lot of those uh, regional and national meets and to see how our uh, uh, student-athletes compete there is really fun. I love track because there's so many different events within one team. It, it's fun to see all um, shapes, sizes, skills, and abilities in different areas all a part of one team. Our listeners have been able to hear from Ed and Diljeet on this program as well. Great to get to know them better on this forum. Uh, gymnastics. Gymnastics, I would say, is probably, in the whole athletic department, our team the most on the rise and our program the most on the rise. And that's a huge tribute to, to Guard Young and, and his staff. They had a vision when they came in. They're starting year four, just like I am. And uh, and they have a great crew of, of student-athletes that have bought in. And it's been really fun to see year-to-year the development that's happened. You know, Shannon Hortman-Evans last year, the first All-American in, what, 14 years. And, and this year we hope to, to get our whole team to nationals. A quick word about the spirit squads. You're also over them. Spirit squads, yes. You know, I think it's every girl's dream to be involved in cheer dance, and, and I can't do either, but I, I love watching them. Our, our uh, cheer and cougarist team, I've watched both of them not just perform but compete. They represent us so well. They, in a lot of ways, are unsung heroes. They practice hard every single day. They have as many, if not more, bumps and bruises, uh, and, and their main goal is to support our other sports. We're really grateful for all the time that they put in. Last couple of things. Um, How would you characterize the current landscape of college athletics, uh, specifically as it relates to BYU's identity as both a WCC member and an FBS independent? Yeah, in some ways, it's the best of both worlds. I think the WCC, it's interesting, as as Tom and I are are involved in in meetings, we'll be in meetings in a couple weeks again with our WCC counterparts. We feel really at home there in terms of the caliber of people and the caliber of institutions with similar visions of building the whole student-athlete. And uh, and we love being there. We love competing against against them. Uh, And then football independent, you get all the great things that come with that in terms of scheduling big, big, big big-time games. And, And so in some ways, I feel like we have the best of both worlds. And lastly, uh, somebody with a sharp eye might have spotted Liz uh, very near the podium at the conference center this past weekend. Uh, you have a new church calling that puts, that puts you on the Young, young Women General Board. Um, were you surprised to get the call? Uh, um, I, I mean, that's not the right word. <laughs> uh, how did it feel when you got the call? Uh, it was um, indescribable. It, it was... Uh, uh, what I've described to people when they've asked me about it is I've said I feel a very irrational sense of peace <laughs> when I think about everything on my plate or all the responsibilities, and I'll probably get emotional talking about it, when, when, I, when I think about um, uh, just everything that's at stake for young women, not only in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but young women around the world, uh, th- th- that's a lot. And yet I feel all of this peace sprinkled over the top of it that just fills in the cracks to where I know uh, that, that there is uh, our Savior that's in charge of all of it, and we're all here to just be his tools and do the best we can to help support one another. Well, you're an amazing person, and we're lucky to have you here at BYU. I'm lucky that you came in tonight to join me. Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much, Greg. All right, that is Liz Darger, BYU's Senior Associate AD and Senior Woman Administrator, and now recently called to the Young Women General Board of the Church. Coming up after this break, it's our Catching Up with the Cougar segment, presented by BYU alumni. And tonight, it's a conversation one-on-one with the mo- one of the most prolific quarterbacks in BYU football history, John Walsh. That is next, as Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel continues on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143 and 107.9 FM. 
Welcome back to Behind the Mic, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Here's your host, Greg Rubel. It is time now for our Catching Up with the Cougars segment, brought to you by BYU Alumni. Want to help BYU students but don't know how? You can with BYU Alumni Chapters. Find the chapter that fits you at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. When Ty Detmer graduated after his record-setting and Heisman Trophy-winning BYU career in 1991, the question was, who would fill Ty's sizable shoes? Well, Detmer's backup in 1991 became the starter in 1992, but his sophomore season would be cut short due to injury after a promising start to that year. Over the following two seasons, Los Angeles-area native and former SoCal High School star John Walsh would put his name in the BYU record books, where he resides to this day with some of the best passing numbers ever put up. But he left some numbers on the table, uh, choosing to leave BYU after his redshirt junior season with a year of college eligibility remaining. He was an NFL draftee in 1995, but pro dreams were dashed after a single pro season, 24 years after he left BYU. John Walsh joins me on the line from his home in Southern California. John, thanks for joining me uh, behind the mic. No problem. How you doing? Very, very well. I don't. I haven't talked to you in forever. I don't think I have seen you or talked to you since you left BYU. And does it seem like a long, long time since you left BYU? You know what? It really does, especially now when when my kids are. I got a senior in college, and you know my other buddies that played at BYU. Their kids are freshmen, sophomores playing football. It just kind of seems like we're taking a next step in life. We're kind of in the middle of it now. Where before we were just young kids at BYU, and now you 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 open your eyes and you're like, holy smokes, where did all that time go? But definitely seems like a long time ago, and uh, it's just it's just crazy how fast time. Everybody knows how ta- fast time flies. So. I'm sure you've been back to BYU since, but how many times have you been back in Provo since you last uh, played for the Cougars, John? I've been back a couple times. I came back for the BYU-Washington game. They had a quarterback reunion. Uh, BYU had a quarterback reunion thing and that I came back for, which was really nice. And then for Lavelle Edwards passing, I came back for the funeral, and so I was up there for that also. Let's go back to your uh, the days that brought you to BYU initially. You were playing high school ball in uh, Southern California, and you played for two high schools, right? Yes, I did. My senior year, I transferred to Carson High School. After being at West Torrance? That's correct. What was the reason for the transfer? Well, the reason for the transfer, nowadays everyone does it. But back then, uh, not too many people were doing it, but I just had an opportunity at Carson High School to to be at a much higher profile football uh, program and um, met a couple people. Steve Clarkson was my quarterback coach, and he had some connections at Carson High School. And... uh, one thing led to another, and the next thing I knew, I was transferring to Carson High to, to try to further my football career. It was just a good opportunity to get recruited. Back then, you didn't have the internet and combines and all that stuff. It was kind of just word of mouth and press clippings and all that type of stuff, and Carson gave me the opportunity to throw for a lot of yards and be on a high-profile football team. So yeah. as far as football-wise, it was a smart decision. It was tough personally because all my friends and all that stuff, so it was a very difficult decision, but one – for my football career, which I still believe this day was a good move. It takes it up a notch, and a lot of big-time schools were recruiting you from all over the country. So what draws you at that time to BYU? And maybe you could list some of the other schools that you were seriously considering. Well, I'm sure BYU fans aren't going to like this, but the school I always wanted to go to was <laughs> Miami Hurricanes. We had a my sister's best friend's brother played for the Hurricanes, and so we kind of followed them when I was younger. And I had my trip set up for them for January 12th, and I remember on, like, January 5th or whatever it was, they called me and told me they took a kid named Alan Hall, who at the time was a USA Today preseason All-American, so he just committed there. So I didn't particularly want to go to a school where the number one, supposedly the number one quarterback in the nation was going to. Not that I was afraid of competition, but just didn't make a lot of sense. And the chips were starting to fall. A lot of the schools were taking quarterbacks early, like USC had taken Rob Johnson, and UCLA had Tommy Maddox, who was just a sophomore. And BYU was recruiting me, and they, they told me that I was going to be the only quarterback that they took, and they seemed like they really liked me. And obviously, as far as a quarterback, there's not a lot of better places in the nation to, to play quarterback than at BYU. And Ty was going into a senior year, and it just seemed like a perfect setup. And uh, like I said, they told me that I was going to be the only guy, and they wanted me, and then I get there, and they, they bring in a, a transfer, Steve Clements, in. So it, it just all worked out, and uh, I'm thankful I ended up at BYU. What was the influence of Lavelle Edwards on your decision? And beyond Lavelle, who was the coach most actively involved in your recruitment? Well, the coach that recruited me initially was Dick Felt. 
he recruited me initially, and then Robbie Bosco kind of took over for him, and Robbie came out to uh, to Carson High to, to recruit me. Uh, obviously, having a legend like Lavelle Edwards is just, I mean, it was just an honor to play for him, and, and just like all the other guys, I mean, we're all proud to say that we played under, under Coach Edwards. So, yeah, he was definitely um, part of the decision to go there. You, you knew what you had at BYU. It was a stable condition. You know, Lavelle was going to be there. The coaching staff was second to none. Um, we were going to throw the ball a bunch, and it was just a good, it was a good fit for me. How would you further describe Lavelle and his influence on you and then the BYU football program? He was, I mean, his, his presence was just, I mean, he, when you walked into his room, there's Lavelle Edwards. Or I'll give you an example. My first year, my freshman year, we played Florida State, and we played him in the kickoff. And honestly, I didn't know a whole bunch about BYU and Lavelle Edwards and, and all that stuff, and, but I knew who Bobby Bowden was. And so Bobby Bowden gets up there and talks and says his speech, people laugh, and then Lavelle gets up there. And Lavelle tells his speech, and he's joking, and I'll tell you what, everyone in that room knew Lavelle Edwards was the man. Just his presence. When we walked out of that banquet or whatever it was, when Bobby Bowden and Lavelle got up there and talked, I walked out and go, man, I'm sure glad I play for Coach Edwards. I was just so proud of the way he handled himself, the way the things he said. You know, he was just a, a spectacular man and a great coach to play mm. for. When, when you get to BYU, Ty Detmers just won the Heisman Trophy. So now you're probably thinking, too, I'm going to a school now where the quarterback here can win a Heisman. That was a pretty big deal, too. Looking back on it, yeah, but to be honest with you, at the time, that really never crossed my mind, the Heisman thing. My thing for me as far as my recruiting was, hey, Ty is going to be a senior. I'll be able to watch him and learn from him my freshman year and then have an opportunity to come in and play. Um, as far as the Heisman thing, it really didn't weigh into my decision. Was it awesome that someone from Brigham Young University won the Heisman? Absolutely. But as far as my decision-making, to be honest with you, it, it, it didn't. Okay, so you backed up Ty in 1991, which is his senior season. What would be some of the uh, first and foremost things you would take out of having watched and learned from Ty Detmer in 91? Well, to be honest with you, the first thing that comes to mind is a little bit of fear, a little bit of doubt. I mean, some of the things that he did on the field, I'm sitting there on the sidelines as a freshman going, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, he was like Johnny Manziel before Johnny Manziel. I mean, he he could move, run, make things happen, smart. Um, it 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 really was a little bit like, wow, can I play on this level? Of course, when you when you're in that position, and you're going to be a college athlete. You got to have confidence in yourself, and I did. But just some of the things that he did was just like, wow, I can't believe. I don't know if I can do that. He was amazing. I mean, he's he's a legend at Brigham Young University, and um, it was a tough act to follow. Back then, BYU was still playing JV, so you saw a lot of JV time and some varsity action in 1991, correct? Yeah, I did. My first start, I believe, was against Snow. Was it Snow or Ricks? I forget which one it was. But yeah, it was a JV game. I played the first half, and, and I, did, I did pretty good. You threw the ball a few times as, as ties back up in, in 1991. My first pass might have been to the wrong team, to be honest with you. <laughs> you had one pick that year, so would that have been it? Yeah, I think on my first pass... I threw a slant or something, and it got picked off. And then uh, I kind of recovered after that and did and did pretty good. And I, I'll tell you a story. I mean, it was my first time ever getting into the game. After the game, I ran across the dorm because I wanted to call my dad and say, hey, Dad, did you see me? I got in the game because they weren't up there. Uh-huh. And when I called, he answered like he was sleeping. And I was like, hey, did you see me? He's like, what? And so he just played a trick on me. But it was an exciting, exciting time to get in. I mean, I was a kid with a dream, and, and that game was the start of that dream, and it was just an awesome, awesome experience. But I think my first pass was an interception. After Ty leaves in 1991, having an old, a whole offseason to consider being the next guy, and, and you mentioned there was some competition Steve was in and others. To be honest with you, I don't know. You, you kind of made it sound like I was going to be the clear-cut guy. I honestly never felt like that. Hmm. Uh, Steve Clements and I were in a neck-and-neck battle the whole way through. I I really feel like that's true. I mean, Steve was a great quarterback, and Tommy Young and some other guys that were there were good quarterbacks, and um, it was really close. I mean, I honestly didn't feel like, oh, next year it's my job. I felt definitely felt like, and I'm sure we all did. I, I 
I don't can't speak for Steve, but I, I think we both felt like, hey, this is a true quarterback competition, and it's it's neck and neck, and it's gonna it's gonna be tough to win it, and and it definitely was. As far as the tie thing, you know, I I that year I was just so focused on trying to beat out Steve and the other quarterbacks that that was really all my focus was hmm. was trying to do my best, and I didn't want to try to. I mean, Ty's shoes were so big, it would have it would have been next to impossible to follow you know, to, to try to be like to tie and, and the things that he did. So I really kind of put that on my mind, just focused on being the best quarterback that I could be. My, one of my biggest regrets about leaving early is because I backed up Ty. Then the next year I barely got the job. I, I beat out Steve and the three games I get injured. The next year I come back, I'm in the same exact predicament. I still, I got, it's another quarterback competition. So now in my third year, it's another competition for, for the quarterback job. I get hurt against Notre Dame, and then they, uh, I forget Steve came in and Tom came in, and then I kind of came back. And so that year, what was that, my sophomore year, four or five games since that season was the first time that I really felt like, okay, this is my job. Mm. And then the whole next year I played it. So I had basically had one and a half years where I really felt like, okay, without having to look over your shoulder or – is he going to put this guy in, or do the fans want this guy? Well, maybe the fans always wanted someone else when <laughs> I was there. But, no. but for me personally, it was like kind of that turning point when I came out against, when I came back against Fresno State my sophomore year um, was the first time that I really felt like, hey, okay, this is my job. Back to 92 for a moment. My first game on the BYU football radio broadcast crew as Paul James' sideline reporter was your first game as a starter. And it's funny because you talk about watching Ty and thinking, you know, could I ever do that? I, I, I would sit there on the headset during games and listen to Paul James call games, and I always wonder to myself, I don't know that I could ever do that. So I kind of felt the same way about somebody, you know, being so good at their craft and wondering if I could actually match them. So I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you got Jamal Willis's best years, didn't you, there? Yeah, Jamal and I came in the same year. Actually, we, have the, we share the same birthday. Hmm. December twelfth, yeah. So we were both we both came in in the class of ninety one, and uh, so yeah, we were there together at the same time. The ninety three season you talked about, where you came back at, at the end, it was such a wild year. BYU opened four and zero, then lost four in a row, and it was like nothing but shootouts that that year, like the last half of the year. Uh, BYU scored forty or more five times. The opponents scored forty or more five times. You were winning and losing some wild ones. Yeah, we did. We lost. We lost some wild games. I mean, we lost to Utah State. 56, 54, if I remember correctly. Like I said, it's been a long time ago. But, yeah, we, we did. Uh, it was um, – there were some really good teams in the WAC at that time. Uh, Utah was tough. Um, San Diego State was just loaded with athletes. I mean, so, yeah, we had some big, wild, exciting – I mean, it was exciting times. I mean, it was exciting to be an offensive player in the WAC at that time, especially at Brigham Young. And, um, yeah, we had definitely had some shootouts. The Utah State – come... Sorry, go ahead. So we didn't always come out on the, the right end of them, but we, we tried. <laughs> the Utah State game you mentioned, 619 passing yards for you. Still a BYU record to this day. Yeah, it was, we, we just got into a rhythm. We just started really flowing. And then we really we could have actually won that game. We recovered an onside kick at the end of it and got called for like an offside or something, and, and it got overturned, and then we tried it again and didn't get it. But may have had a few more yards if we were able to, to stay on sides on that. Anthony Calvillo went on and played forever in the CFL and racked mm-hmm. up thousands of yards up there. And he was the other quarterback that day. Between the two of you, the ball was yeah. flying around the field. He was a good one. Yes, he was. He was a really good player. And you, I, I've heard that that he lasted a long time in, in Canada. So he, he did. Congratulations to him. Yeah, threw through for a ton of yards. You got to win at Notre Dame in 1994. And I'm sure among the highlights you look back on, on your BYU career, that's probably up there, isn't it? Absolutely. That was a. You grew up as a kid watching Notre Dame playing on Saturday mornings, and to come out of that tunnel and and just I mean just everything that Notre Dame pre- uh, represents, and to go out there and and I remember the night before Tim Nowoski was my roommate, we were talking about it. He grew up in Indiana, yeah. and, and what a dream it was to get the opportunity to go on that field and to play, and then hear them come out with their fight song, and it just sent chills up your body. And then to beat them at the end was just awesome. Rather than put words in your mouth about favorite games, we mentioned Notre Dame. What are, what are some of the other marquee moments for you that you'll think back upon relative to your BYU playing days? On the Notre Dame games right up there, the Oklahoma Bowl game was, was good. The Ohio State game that we lost, mm. they, were, they were stacked, loaded with players, and, 
and we battled them right to the end. We had a had a chance to win it at the end, and we just weren't able to do it. Um, the San Diego State Thursday night games were always high on the list. I mean, no, those were exci- exciting games. You know, for me, I didn't always play my best all the time, but I always tried to play my best when the lights were the brightest, and and that's what I took took pride on. We played Thursday night. I, I was fired up, ready to go. Sometimes we play a Saturday game against, I forget who we played, like Northern Iowa State or whatever it was. It was a little bit tougher to get up for those games. But for the the big games, the Utah games, um, were we didn't we lost both of them. What thirty thirty four thirty one? Yeah, I remember the commercial. Yeah, we lost two thirty four thirty one. Those were those were good games. You know, obviously I don't like thinking about those because we didn't win, but <laughs> those were really good games. But yeah, the Notre Dame games right up at the top. That that Ohio State bowl game kept me up at nights for a while. When you guys drove down there, I was 100% convinced BYU's about to win the game. It just didn't work out. It didn't. We had our chances. I, I At the end, I made a couple throws I wish I had back. I made a couple that were, were good enough, but we just weren't able to, to finish it. And I mean, we, we battled. That was a good team offensively. Um, it was a good matchup for us. It really was. They they weren't that great of a throwing team, and we could kind of stop the run. And offensively, we can move the ball against them a little bit because they were a pretty stout defense. But it made for a good matchup for us, and we had, we had a chance at the end. And uh, we gave it all we could. We just came up a little short. And Buckeyes had Big Daddy Dan Wilkinson, as I recall mm-hmm. at the time. It's kind of funny. You mentioned I was I was doing sidelines that day for the radio, and the Buckeyes radio sideline guy was uh, Kirk Herbstreet, and he. What? He, he stayed with broadcasting, I think, as it turned out. Stuck around. Yeah, he had an yeah. all right career. Yeah. Okay, so you beat Oklahoma in the Copper Bowl in 1994. That was your last game as a BYU Cougar. Did you know? We'll talk about this after the break, too. But did you get a sense going into that game that it was going to be your last game? Yeah. I, I knew that was going to be my last game. All right, break time on Behind the Mic. When we return, after four years in Provo, that was John's last game, the Oklahoma win in the Copper Bowl. We'll talk with John Walsh about going into the NFL draft. We'll talk about life after BYU as well next. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. More with John Walsh right after this. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Visiting with one of the most prolific quarterbacks BYU's ever fielded, John Walsh, and this is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. It's our Catching Up with the Cougars segment, brought to you by BYU alumni. So after the 1994 Copper Bowl, a game BYU wins, defeating Oklahoma, uh, John, you had one more season of college eligibility, but you had already been at BYU for four years, calendar years. You had a freshman year, a medical redshirt year, then your sophomore and junior seasons. And you said that uh, before the break that, that you knew that Oklahoma would be your final game. What went into making that decision and having it decided already pretty early? You know, the information that I had gotten that I was going to be drafted high, and um, so I just made the decision that I was going to forego my senior year and, and into the NFL draft. Um, Obviously, it turned out to be a, a very bad decision, and it's something that I've had to live with for the rest of my life. It, it, to be honest with you, Greg, it has not, it hasn't been easy. Um, really, about well, it's about seven, eight years ago, I never talked about it. I just kind of locked it in, in a closet, and then uh, a guy from my church called and said, "We're going to have a couple other athletes talk about their experience." and and I went up, and I they asked me if I if I would tell my story, and I did. Just went up and told my story since I was a little boy. My dad worked with me, and I wanted to be a football player, and whatever happened. And then I I made a decision to leave school early, and it, it backfired on me. And uh, I just basically told everything that had happened, and it kind of freed me up to be able to talk about it because prior to that, I guess the best way I can explain it is I lived with it. I, I had a treasure. I, I had a treasure chest with all these incredible memories and accomplishments and teammates and all this stuff. And then I make that decision and the treasure chest slams shut and a nasty old deadbolt lock padlock locks it up. And, and that's what happened. I just put it in the back of the closet. And every time I wanted to go to those memories, I had to go through that nasty padlock and I, I just didn't want to do it. It was just too, too many bad memories, you know, mistake that decision and having to live with it and all those things was, was difficult. And I just told my story. I said, listen, this is what I did. I made a mistake. I, I've hopefully I'm, I'm a better person now because of it. God has a plan for me. And uh, it's made it easier to go open it up and just say, listen, this is what I did. I should be proud of my accomplishments. And 
there's been, there was a time there that, to be quite honest, I wasn't because of the decision that I made. It kind of put a, a black eye on everything, and it's a very tough pill to swallow, but I think after that seven years ago when I went and talked about it at my church, it, it really it, it freed me up a little bit, so made me feel better about it. So was there a time then for a while where if they recognized you, say, as the BYU guy, where you wouldn't necessarily feel that eager to talk about your BYU days for that reason? You know what? I never really talked about it. You know, what would happen was, like, right after it happened, I'd go out somewhere. Let's say I went out with some friends, and, you know, the first thing someone would say is, wasn't that a stupid decision, or don't you wish you didn't do that, or whatever? <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, yeah, of course I do, you know? And it's just, it's just like, it's like anyone's life. I mean, we all make bad decisions. We all make mistakes. Mine just happened to be out there, or at least it felt to me like it was out there in front of the whole world. So it's a little bit tougher when you're trying to deal with stuff that you feel like everybody's laughing at you, everybody's, you know, you're, it, it's, it's a, uh, you know, it, it's humbling. It was a very humbling experience. Um, it was a very difficult experience that I had to deal with, and, you know, it was my own. I take full responsibility for, for my decision, and um, unfortunately it just didn't work out. Yeah. And, you know, what can I do about it? I just have to move on with my life. I, um, I got three beautiful girls and a great wife and a good, pretty good life. You know, I, got, I dealt a pretty good hand, so I can't, I can't complain. When I mentioned the number of calendar years you'd been out of high school already and, and the kind of career you'd had at BYU, it wasn't the craziest decision to make. It was understandable from the extent that, you know, you'd been out four years and you put up good numbers and you were hearing good things. I appreciate you saying that, but, I mean, the way things turned out, you know, it's easy to say, well, that was a pretty stupid decision, you know, when you get drafted in the last round, you're in the league for one year and then you're, then you're gone. So, What do you think would have happened if you'd stayed? Um, you know, the the one thing that I, and people might not, might, may not believe this, but the one thing that I really wish, I just like, it's so hard and it's a dream to become a starting quarterback, especially at a university like Brigham Young University. I just wish I had that one extra year just to play the college. The money and all that stuff, sure, I wish I would have made it big in the NFL and, and done all that, but I really wish that I just had that one year because it's hard to get that and. To, to be able to enjoy it and all the fun and all the memories you have with your buddies traveling and, and all the camaraderie and all that stuff. I gave that up, and mm-hmm. I wish I had that, just that back, not even the NFL stuff. I know that might be hard for people to believe, but that's what I wish. I wish I had, if I had the choice to go back and have the one year or an NFL career, well, maybe I might have to choose that. <laughs> just that one year, that's a really tough pill for me to swallow because I know what, what hard, hard work, work it took to get that job and then to, to give up that one year where I would have been the starting quarterback. There would have been no looking over my shoulder. It would have been my team. And, and so, yeah, I wish that that's probably my biggest regret that I, as far as that decision goes. Cincinnati drafted you seventh round. You got in there. And am I, am I recollecting correctly, John, that you got hurt in camp? Did you get injured when you got there? Yeah, I injured myself a little bit, but that I I just didn't play very well when I was there, and I don't know. Then the next year I came back, and I thought I was going to have a chance, and then they ended up cutting me pretty early. Was there a Steve Sarkeesian connection with you? Because he, you leave and he comes in to replace you, and now of course had you stayed, he wouldn't have been in the mix. But but then you left, and he also played at West Torrance High School, and then El Camino. So did you guys know each other, and were you guys communicating, and did that make his coming to BYU more of a sure thing? Yes. Steve and I used to work out with Steve Clarkson together, and then we knew each other from high school. We were friends. So, um, yeah, absolutely. He, he had bounced back from USC. He was a baseball player at SC and bounced back to El Camino and started working out with uh, Clarkson. And, and uh, so we were hanging out a lot. And, you know, then he was looking for a college to go to, and he was asking me about Brigham Young University. And I told him it's a great opportunity and uh, that, that we talked about it. And, yeah, it definitely made his decision a lot easier. You were not a member of the church that uh, sponsors BYU, correct? No, I'm not. And nor was Steve. Did you kind of give him a sense that, hey, you, you don't have to necessarily be a member of the church to succeed there? And, you know, did you enjoy your time here that way? And, and how, how do you think that played with, uh, with Steve, hearing it from you? Yeah, you know what? Honestly, I had a great time at Brigham, Univers- Brigham Young University. I, I really did. I love my time. I love all. I still keep in contact with a lot of guys that I played with. Um, and, yeah, that, I mean— I never joined the church, I, I, and I told Steve that, you know, that, hey, you know, you don't have to, but if you want to, you can. Um, it's not a lot of pressure to join the church. At least I didn't, I didn't get a lot. And, um, but that really wasn't, you know, that wasn't, that was just a part of it as far as our conversation and his decision mm-hmm. to go there. 
You mentioned it earlier. You've been back a couple of times. How closely do you still follow BYU or are aware of how they're doing? And uh, what, what connections do you have maybe to, to BYU these days, John? You know what? I haven't really followed them too much. I've been at my, these, my kids' sports are just so, so overwhelming. I'm at the <laughs> kids' games watching the BYU scores on my phone, so I haven't been able to, to watch any games on TV. I, I saw that they got beat last week, and it's been a little bit of a struggle this year, even though they've had a couple, couple big wins. But, I mean, we try to follow them as, as much as we can and, and root for them and pulling for them and, and hoping they do well. So. Can you tell us your wife's name and your kids' names and then what you're doing in business these days? My wife's name is Linda, and we've been married for 19 years. And my oldest daughter is Kelly. She's a senior at Arizona State. And I have a daughter, Lauren, who's a senior in high school and is going to be attending Belmont University. on a. She just received a volleyball scholarship. And then I have a younger one, Reagan, who is a sophomore, and uh, she's a softball player. And hopefully she's going to – she took a scholarship to the University of Florida for softball. So Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's just pretty unbelievable how, how young the sports and the amount of time and, and the things that these kids have to do at, at such a young age. And they're committing kids at such a young age. It's just it's crazy. But, so three daughters yeah. for you then? Three daughters. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And uh, what do you do professionally these days? I'm a snap-on tool dealer, so I'm not sure if you've ever seen those big snap-on tool trucks that drive around and yeah. go to autom- automobiles auto repair shops and and sell tools. I've been doing that for 23 years now. And living uh, back home, I guess we'd say, right? Yeah, uh-huh. I live back home in Torrance, California. Actually, it's redundant with my address, but um, yeah, back home and basically in the same hometown I grew up in. Well, whether it's uh, the football team or the basketball team uh, coming to your neck of the woods, sure be nice to see you at, at a game at some point. Glad I reached out. I'm glad you were there, accepted my text, and agreed to come on today because it was really fun catching up with you and uh, reliving a few memories, hearing your story, and uh, knowing that things are going so well for you and your family. Much appreciated. Hey, I really appreciate it. Nice talking to you. Okay, thank you, John. All right, that was our Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni. BYU Alumni chapters help students in need and spread the influence of the Y around the world. Stay connected for good and find your chapter at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. We're back to wrap up tonight's show right after this. Really hope you enjoyed tonight's show on this Wednesday, October 10th. I thank my guests this evening, BYU Senior Associate AD Liz Darger and former BYU quarterback John Walsh. Next week, I'll visit with BYU men's golf coach Bruce Brockbank and former BYU All-American NBA draftee and NBA broadcaster Michael Smith. My thanks to coordinating producer Terry South. Thanks as well to BYU Radio General Manager Don Shaline and our intern Aaron Fitzner. For all those folks, I'm Greg Grubel. Thanking you for joining me Behind the Mic. We'll talk to you next Wednesday, 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain, right here on BYU Radio. You have been listening to Behind the Mic with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Grubel. Brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to the podcast at BYUradio.org.